What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sunday morning back in my place. You can sleep late, I don't mind. Break some eggs, make a mixtape, and let it play like 20 times. I ain't got no money, but I got lots of time. So let's spend a little, live a little, cause every day the sun will rise. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where we are now only four Taco Tuesdays away from Lakers Media Day and the official start of the Anthony Davis era at Staples Center. We want tacos chance will never be the same again, especially on Tuesdays. Wow. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am not joined by my typical co-hosts, Alan Riley and Tommy Alexander. Tonight, I have a special guest, longtime friend of the podcast, one-third of the amazing indie alternative Korean-American band Run River North, so dedicated to his Lakers fandom that he rushed straight from a recording session to do this silly little podcast on his way home from the Valley, Mr. Daniel Che. DJ, welcome back to the show. It's been about a year and a half. How you doing? It's an honor to be back, Jonathan. Your intros are always so amazing. I, I'm, I'm speechless by your hosting capabilities. It's great to be back. This is one of my favorite episodes to do, having Dan back on the show. Uh, before we get into a more formal intro, Dan, based off of my Taco Tuesday opening, the icebreaker question of the night. Just like LeBron obviously has his Taco Tuesday, if you yourself were an NBA player and you know, given your cultural heritage and background, what would be your version of Taco Tuesday that you would try to implement and enact? With what food? With what day? It's easy. I'm a Korean-American male, and Koreans love dumplings. And in Korean, it's called mandu. So, in honor of LeBron James and Taco Tuesday, I bring you Mandu Mondays! Hey! Mandu Mondays. Can you do it in a Korean accent? Mandu Mondays! <laughs> You want it a little crispy, like one side fried, one side like kind of boiled, so you get the soft and the crunch, and so, you know what I'm saying, but... There you go. By the way, Alan says, wa, and he would like to... Ah! <laughs> I know you watch Terrace House, right? You watch oh, Terrace House. Yes. Oh, there oh you yes. Oh, yes. 
Oh, man. I, I'm so dedicated that I log on to a VPN and watch the oh, Netflix no. Japan. So I know what's yeah. going on in the Tokyo, the next season. Bro, that is amazing. Don't tell me anything. But, I will uh, not spoil anything. Alan apologized for not being on tonight, but he wants to contribute to the discussion. And he would like to say that his food alliteration would be mochi mokoi <laughs> mochi <laughs> mochi mokuyubi which i guess means thursday but i just told him let's just okay. do mochi mondays that's great too I, i'm or, digging this monday theme that's great alan i miss you i'm sorry um i took forever but yes we will chat soon all good he also said sushi boat sundays or sashimi saturdays so there's a there's a lot to go around like um it. For me, I am Filipino, so mine would be Pancit Fridays. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Because, you know, Filipinos, we switch our P's and our F's and our F's with our P's. And Pancit, if anybody knows, is the glass noodles. Uh, it's kind of like Chapche, but uh, Pancit Fridays, everybody. So there you go. Wow. Taco Tuesday. Can you give me your best Taco Tuesday? Taco Tuesday! I enjoy it. I do All you too, haters, man. get get off. Get off, haters. Seriously, dude, LeBron is relentless with his Taco Tuesdays. And uh, if he gives as much effort and dedication and commitment to his Taco Tuesdays yes. this season, then we are, we'll, we'll be on the right track. All right, with that said, Daniel Che from the Run River North Band, thank you for hopping on the show. Uh, tonight's show, we are going to talk about... We're going to kind of look back on the last year with LeBron James because you had some interesting comments the last time you were on this podcast with regards to LeBron James. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of Lakers Nation probably shared the same sentiment. And this was before LeBron James became a Laker. A lot has changed since then. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And we'll get into all of that. But before we get into all of that, Daniel, can you really quickly just like you normally do? Uh, plug Run River North, give the people and our listeners a little elevator pitch on who you guys are, what the recent happenings are, because I know you guys got some new songs going on. Uh, you got a new concert tour going on. Yeah, just give us your spiel. Okay, so guys, um, Jonathan and Alan are very dear friends of mine, and I can't believe they're doing this podcast. And just like Jeremy Lin, Run River North is the equivalent <laughs> in the music industry um right around when linsanity happened our band mm. started and we were we took our first steps as an asian not an a as an american band filled with asians in a non-asian world and so mm. there you go we are the linsanity of music and hopefully uh we get signed uh by the time the season starts <laughs> Hopefully our careers aren't over right now this year. <laughs> You're not. Are you crying like Jeremy Lin? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, uh, are we going there? Are we going? Okay. I I don't know. Yes, I I love Jeremy Lin, and please love us like Thank you love Jeremy Lin or hate. Hey, no no knock on Jeremy Lin and crying and feeling emotional about yeah, your career give him being a break. on the. 
Give him a break, my friends. Yes. He's got the whole world and all of Asian America and Asians in general on his shoulders, okay? Um, if you are not Asian, you do not understand the pressure he feels. You, you do, do not, not understand. He is the only Asian American, so every he's carrying everyone's... Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. Exactly. Hey, but Dan, what's going on with Run River North? Uh, do you got any concerts coming up? I was so close to going to the one in San Diego back in April, by the way, because uh, I had a wedding. I had a friend's wedding to go to, and Audrey and I were thinking about it, but we got in late on Friday night, and we were like, Oh, we're too exhausted, so we oh, apologize. Good, brother. Um, uh, we are yeah. performing at the Fonda in September, so that's going to be great. Um, if you are free, please come to a show. And besides that, we're releasing uh, another EP in November. So there's there's a couple things on the horizon. Um, if you follow us at Run River North, you'll you'll uh, you'll be well informed. Nice man, and I think I think you guys just released. I don't know how new of a single it is, but wake wake up. Yeah, that's right. That that just released. Um, that's just starting to get spun on radio. So we're hoping that, you know, that gets us onto a bus and buys us houses. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's enough for me. I, I, I can't I'm, I can't do anymore. Well, let's take a listen at Wake Up really quickly and then we'll we'll bring it back. We'll reel it back in. Sweet. Awesome. Monday morning on the freeway, run a bit late, I don't mind. Break my back, make a mistake Another day, I'm getting by We ain't got no money But we got lots of time So let's spend a little, live a little Cause every day the sun will rise Come smell the roses, oh Come take your time Dead for a moment, set heaven on fire All right, so that was Run River North's new song, Wake Up. Dan, I really like the feel-good, the great summer vibes of that song. It parallels how we all feel about the Lakers' upcoming season. Chipper, hopeful, dare I say lit. Um... I feel like it could be. I feel like it could be a song in like a iPhone, the next iPhone commercial or whatever, like a Apple or Microsoft, whatever. One of those commercials. It it, it fits. Absolutely. That said, I want to plug ourselves really quickly. We are the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us. That's how many more random Lakers players, whether past or present, will follow Run River North's or Lakers Legacy Podcast Twitter accounts. So far as the Lakers Legacy Podcast, we got no former or current Lakers players following us. Although D'Angelo Russell did block us for some reason. We are still blocked. I don't know why. Are you serious? I know, especially since we're like one of his most ardent supporters. So it's really random that uh, he blocked us. That's crazy. But... With regards to former or current Lakers players that follow Run River North, Daniel, you guys got one. Who is it? Oh, shoot. Hold on. Oh, my goodness. I forgot. Okay, it's okay. I'll refresh your memory. So, former Laker Ryan Kelly follows... (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Follows Run River North on Twitter. Dan, how does it feel to have a former Laker be a fan of your band and music? And how does it feel to now be more famous than a former Laker? Life comes at you fast, bro. I think, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Ryan Kelly is a deep cut. 
So I mean, <laughs> I appreciate the deep cuts. And so, uh, true Laker fans, Ryan Kelly. Oh, absolutely. Ryan Kelly represents for us, like the struggle, the grit and grind getting to this point. Yeah, yeah. It, he was part of the journey. So Ryan Kelly, thank you for listening to our music. We love you. Lakers Legacy Podcast loves you. Yes. Follow Lakers Legacy Podcast, Ryan. Fun fact, Ryan Kelly is currently playing in Tokyo with former Lakers teammate Robert Sacre. Wow. Are you serious? I am that's serious. Pretty, that's pretty nuts. So maybe they'll both be on Terrace House balling for you <laughs> together, <laughs> set in Kobe, Japan. Also, quick disclaimer, because I know someone's going to point it out on Twitter. I recorded this episode before Robert Sake retired from professional basketball in Tokyo. So there you go. There is my qualifier and disclaimer of the episode. You cannot use this against me. Let's carry on. That's amazing. That, that blows my mind. <laughs> Anyways, yes, all that to say, please rate interview us on iTunes so that the Lakers Legacy podcast and Run River North Twitter accounts will be continue to be breeding grounds for legit Lakers players following us for some random reason. Uh, also, if you'd like to help us out in any small way financially, please consider donating a buck or two to our Patreon account, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy podcast. Our patrons have been getting early listens to all of our summer content, and that should continue through the off season till real time games start up once again. Um, lastly, we are brought to you by lineups.com. So check them out for all of your betting tips needs. Uh, Daniel, before we get into the Lakers talk, I started this new segment on our show it's called Double Foul. It's, it's the game that's sweeping Lakers Nation this, this entire summer. So to quickly explain to you, Double Foul in the NBA is a useless and unnecessary call that just leaves two parties like annoyed, right? And frustrated. Like it really does nothing, but like you get a foul, you get a foul. Um, double foul in this context is essentially a would you rather of worst case scenarios where Ooh. you end up just leaving with a bitter taste in your mouth, but you have to choose the lesser of two evils. Okay, okay, let's do this. So here we go. Double foul Lakers edition with Daniel Che from Run River North. Daniel, who would you rather see reach their potential and win an MVP award in a Celtics uniform? Foul one, Lonzo Ball. Foul two, Brandon Ingram. Ooh. What's the, what's the least bitter pill to swallow there? Who would you... I mean, both suck, right? Seeing any of those two reach their potential in a, in a Celtics just doesn't Celtics. make any sense. I, I hear you. I hear but you. go ahead. I think I would be happier for Lonzo Ball. I know uh, people like to hate on him, but of all the Ball brothers, he seems to be the most normal one, I guess. Uh, he always seemed like he looked out for his brothers and he really loved his brothers. And honestly, when the Lakers traded him, I was a little sad. Um, I'm, I think he deserves great success, and I hope he does well in New Orleans. But it would have to be Lonzo. My thing, another reason for that, B.I., see, um, he was really good at not being all over Instagram. But if you look carefully, he was, or according to like some rumors, like he was actually even more of a ladies man than it's he let on like jordan clarkson was all up on the instagram and like posting like selfies and stuff in the mirror bi was like radio silent but i heard a story of bi putting his girlfriend um like something happened where he was fighting with his girlfriend and then another girl he was sleeping with because out of spite he sat her courtside and that girl 
like posted selfies and stuff on Instagram. Oh. This could all be fake, but <laughs> that's what I hear. And that turned me off of B.I., so Lonzo Ball is my answer. I like the angle that you went with, but in this game, you kind of go with the one that will... I guess... So you'd be okay with seeing Lonzo Ball succeed, right? Even if it meant him being in a Celtics jersey. But given that you don't like Brandon Ingram, maybe he can succeed in a Celtics <laughs> jersey, right? <laughs> I get it. I get the game. You got me. Oh, man. This really leaves a better taste in my mouth. <laughs> I, I think for me, I... Look, I was a, a fervent believer in Brandon Ingram, wanted him over Ben Simmons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, the the fight and grit that he showed anytime one of his teammates got in trouble was amazing. <laughs> Even though he's like what, like a buck eighty or something. Um, great kid, courtside girlfriend selfies notwithstanding. <laughs> um, but I don't think I can stand to see Lonzo Ball, L.A. kid. Born and raised here, Chino Hills, mm, Coach Steve Bake, wearing a Celtics uniform, knowing that he was once a Laker who played alongside his favorite player, LeBron James. I would rather see Brandon Ingram succeed as a Celtic, hoist the MVP trophy. So Lonzo Ball, stay LA all the way. So there you go, double foul. That's Hope you guys game. had fun with that. Kind of uh, all over the place a little bit, but all good. Um, <laughs> With that said, I'm going to take it to break, pitch it to our sponsors, and when we return, I'm going to talk to Dan about the last year in uh, hashtag LA Braunland and how far we've come and uh, how his feelings may or may not have changed. Uh, so yeah, we'll catch you guys after the turn. And uh, Dan, I wanted to look back on the year that was how we got here. I guess at this point, it'll be like a year and a half because when we last talked to you and your girlfriend, Sally, who's also part of Run River North, we had some strong words to say (laughs) (laughs) about LeBron James potentially signing with the Lakers. And I wanted to get your thoughts on, I guess, how you grappled with the tension and this goes for all Lakers fans, you know? Yeah. We, we were all pretty fervent and and pretty recent LeBron haters before he came to the Lakers. And I think our biggest fear was that if he came, there would be an inevitable blipping, as they call it in Spider-Man Far From Home, spoiler alert, and RIP MCU and Kevin Feige, an inevitable blipping of most of the young guys. Right. Um, and I think for you, to quote you, back then you said, your biggest worry is that if we bring LeBron James on there would be a quick shift to the short-term versus long-term sustainability. Mm. Obviously, back then, Anthony Davis was not part of the equation, so that changes a lot of things. But I guess before I get your answer, I just wanted to play a clip. (laughs) (laughs) What? Hold on really quick. I'm going to pull a clip of... uh, of our podcast last year and just wow. one of the answers. I don't know if Sally's still on, but what do you think she'd say about LeBron James? Does she still hate him? Um, yeah. <laughs> just stay away from LA, please. Go take your pizza, your pizza franchise and stay away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you couldn't hear that, 
That was Sally Kang saying, stay away from Los Angeles oh and take goodness. your Blaze pizza and leave. Okay, well. Wow. A lot has happened in a year and a half, Dan. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll just start and say, what were your thoughts when, you know, LeBron James first came to the Lakers? Obviously, Paul George was supposed to come. But were your fears a little relieved that, okay, LeBron James is here, but all of the young core is here to stay for now? Yeah, I mean... First of all, like you said, I can't believe so much has happened, especially it was like the last time I was on, like it was such a different time. LeBron still hadn't come. Paul George was supposed to come. And then we all know what happened. Chose OKC. And then there was nobody. And so last year was very difficult for me. Um, I was very optimistic going into the 2018-2019 season because of all of the promise of the young guys. Uh, the meme team didn't seem so meme-y. I, I, I don't know. I had some hope. I, I just had a lot of hope. But as the season went along, it, it really happened. I think it really shifted when LeBron went down and the team started losing. Uh, I really got frustrated with the season because, you know, and I know you watch every single game or you tried to watch every <laughs> single So you... you, you the frustration you feel um, when you know a team should be doing well and when you know you have the best player in the league and c- continuing to slip in the standings, um, it really got me. I think last year might have been the toughest year for me because of all the optimism and hope I had um, uh, going into the season. And I think part of that was LeBron kind of shutting it off. You, I don't know if 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 you guys really like talked about this, but he would really pick his spots and, and kind of be in cruise control. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it makes sense given his given his age. Like we we don't want another Kobe Achilles to happen to LeBron. Um, but I think there was just a general sense of frustration over the entire season because you knew that if he pushed harder, it would kind of be pointless and mm-hmm. at the same time you're frustrated that the young guys weren't developing quickly um rajon rondo kept turning the ball i mean he just <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's a lot of things sure um, let, let me let me jump in real quick and um i think the more interesting question to ask is how did you get on board with lebron once he actually came i i, I know for myself what that answer is and how i dealt with reconciling that tension but for you how are you like okay, now I'm a LeBron James as a Laker fan. Is, was it the fact that we didn't have to give up all the young guys yet and you saw the benefits of them learning under LeBron? Or, or what changed it for you? Absolutely. I think the promise going into the season was that LeBron came as a free agent. And even though there wasn't a second superstar, there was the the abundance of potential from the young guys. Um and so that was enough to give me hope. I think, do you remember who they played on Christmas? I, I just remember that, the Christmas game. The Warriors. Yeah, it was, the, and they beat the Warriors, right? I remember mm-hmm. that being very happy that Christmas game <laughs> and being very hopeful for the Lakers. And I think that kind of turned, like, started my uh, phase shift t- towards LeBron. And then uh, it, it fell apart. I mean, unfortunately, that was also the same game that he tore his groin. So right. that also was the beginning of the end there. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I guess having seen how the season kind of unraveled, were your worst nightmares and fears about LeBron? Did they, did they come to pass? Did your sentiments change? 
you know, the Rich Paul clutch dynamic and them maybe taking over the front office a little bit. And then, okay, here's here's the capper, right? We were still in the playoff hunt near the trade deadline. And then the Anthony Davis trade rumors came out of nowhere and took over the entire locker room, caused such a huge distraction, affected all of the young kids. Um, and then coming out of that, we were just never able to recover from that. And us being so close but not not being able to clinch that trade, did you blame some of that on Clutch, LeBron James, and him, and, and maybe maybe not even him directly, but just what his presence on a team like the Lakers means? Like, that means pressure on the front office to pull off a trade like this and maybe put, you know, the kids' development in jeopardy and maybe affect them in emotional ways that we hadn't anticipated. So when that sort of turmoil happened at the trade deadline, were you back on the... Oh man, maybe we shouldn't have gotten this guy in the first place. You know, I I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but we kind of sensed that Clutch was going to take over and become the new mm-hmm. GMs and really run the Lakers. But I think when it happened, I wasn't really sad because you could kind of see the 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 pieces in play. And so, I mean, it didn't hurt me as much because the young guys weren't developed. They weren't becoming superstars. Like Lonzo was still very inconsistent. I mean, he was injured. Bi was, you know, yeah. I think the young guys weren't living up to their potential. Mm-hmm. And I think if anything, it exposed the um, what is it? Yeah, it exposed a lot of the uh, inabilities of the front office to run things. And so. Mm-hmm. I think this was all kind of inevitable. Like, again, we talked about this, like, the last time I was on, but we all knew that this was a short-term plan. Like, things had to happen. And so I think when it happened, I welcomed it, but it wasn't, you know, like, it was just an ugly situation. It was so chaotic. Right. It, was, it wasn't great to see the young guys just completely shut down. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the whole, I mean, New Orleans... I don't think they made it any easier for the Lakers. And so right. um, it, it, I'm, let's just say I'm glad it's over yeah. and a new season is upon us. Sure. And I think essentially looking back on the season that was, it's almost like LeBron was the least of the Lakers problems. Right. <laughs> you know, there, there was Magic Johnson, there was the turmoil and with Rob Palenka and that unholy marriage together, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I think for me, the last season initially why I was able to get on board really quickly was when LeBron James decided to become a Laker, he did it with such passionate fervor. You know what I mean? Like LeBron James comes into summer league wearing the Lakers shorts. Like he was so proud to actually become a Laker. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm sold, you know? And then also seeing him kind of do this us against the world type of thing where he was the underdog because no other superstar joined him and then the whole rest of the league was yeah it was LeBron against the world and I think that underdog mentality I kind of jived with that I was like okay it's it's not it doesn't feel cheap anymore it's LeBron and he's willing to work with the kids let's do this you know and then as the season progressed like he picked his spots he paced himself but it really seemed like he bought into the Lakers culture and if he hadn't gotten injured you know, that Golden State Warriors game, we were fourth in the West, you know, we were on, on the up and up and finally beginning to become a cohesive unit. And so I was excited. And I think that's, that's why I was able to like buy into LeBron really easily. And then even when he was injured, 
You know, I think I feel like LeBron cemented himself as a Laker this season because he went through the trials and tribulations that he did. You know, that's yeah. That's and so he's, he's he's a Laker for life. He went through that crazy injury that, you know, I think this is the most he's ever been out in his career, right? And he still comes out of it wearing the purple and gold with pride, still pumping up the young guys, even though they're traded now. And so here we are. The Anthony Davis trade finally completed. Yes. Was, was finally completed during this summer. I guess for you, the trade deadline was a disappointment. But before the trade deadline, there wasn't really any murmurs of Anthony Davis wanting to become a Laker. That trade request came mid-season. And did things shift for you with regards to, oh, wait, LeBron James is here and it's going to be a short timeline. But if we're trading for a guy like Anthony Davis, who's only 26, that's kind of long-term sustainability in and of itself. You yes. Know? So... What are your thoughts on bringing in Anthony Davis, this this new part of the equation that kind of changes everything? And yeah. were, were, were you a little conflicted that we had to give up as much as we did? Or not really? Were, were you a little conflicted that we had to give up as much as we did? Or not really? I was not conflicted at all. I remember okay. when the news broke, I was, I was at a wedding, and then everyone stopped what they were doing and <laughs> jumped on their phones and was like, oh my god. Oh my! Like the like as people start to read what was traded for Anthony Davis, people were freaking out. And I I remember saying to my friend, "You have to do this. You mm-hmm. have to do this. It it's it's he's 26. The trade is completely worth it. And it's LeBron. You're not gonna have year. You're not gonna have an effective LeBron when he's 40. So instead of trying to build a team with the young guys and hope that they grow into their potential." You have to do this. And so mm-hmm. it's fully on board. I'm so excited for this season. It seems like Anthony Davis wants to prove something. He has every incentive to prove something because he's up for renewal soon. Um, and with LeBron, I mean, believe it or not, I think we have LeBron and Anthony Davis longer than uh, the Clippers have their their peoples. So uh, congratulations, Clippers, for two years of whatever. <laughs> I mean, hopefully Anthony Davis re-signs really quickly next season. I mean, sure. anything can happen, but uh, yeah, I mean, the clutch dynamic and the LeBron James partnership is a, is a strong one. I mean, the Lakers gave up a lot. It was I mean, future draft picks. It was all the young guys. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go with it. So the Lakers gave up a lot, right? But seeing how everything transpired this past free agency, can you imagine if, if we didn't trade for Anthony Davis right now and the Clippers had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? I don't know. I would not feel very comfortable with LeBron James and running it back with the group that we had, even though I love all the young guys, you know? Um, It's like, oh my God, we have Anthony Davis at least and we can move forward. Like, honestly, even if LeBron James, the wheels fall off on LeBron James, I'm perfectly fine with Anthony Davis being the centerpiece moving forward, even if everything falls apart. Because all you need is that one 26, 25-year-old guy who can carry you through the generations. Tim Duncan did it with the Spurs through multiple iterations of championship contenders. Kobe Bryant did it with the Lakers. The only way you're able to bridge those gaps of generational contenders is by having one of those guys. The Lakers somehow have two of them right now, and even if LeBron James falls off a cliff because of his injuries and age, they at least have one, for sure. And he's just entering his prime. And I think that's what I'm most excited about, and that's why I'm okay with you know, giving up everything that we did. And that's not to say maybe those guys come back to us in the future, you know? So I think it's, again, it's it, it, when, when LeBron said he was coming, the best case scenario is um, 
trying to maximize his time with the Lakers. And the Lakers got Anthony Davis. Like, that is a long-term play. And even if Anthony Davis leaves, I think having a shot at winning championships is better than hoping lottery picks grow into their potential. And that that might not even be a sure thing. Like, you know, we loved we – loved, it was so exciting having Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kyle Kuzma, Joshua. That that lineup was so fun to watch, but it was equally frustrating when they weren't playing well. Like you would see them go through great stretches, but then when they weren't, when they wouldn't, it was just you know crazy to watch. I I remember I, I would just yell at the computer screen or or the TV <laughs> so many times that Sally just shuts me off. <laughs> Whenever you watch the Lakers, though. No, for sure. It's like a lack of composure, a lack of discipline. It's like fun when it's going good, but it's, I mean, that's the definition of erratic. So with regards to the offseason that we had in free agency, chasing after Kawhi Leonard, what were your feelings? What were your feelings on that? Uh, The lead up to it, the discussions, did you feel like we had a good shot at Kawhi Leonard? Were you sort of playing it safe and saying, you know, if, if we're able to get him to cherry on top, or were you of the mindset, maybe we should be going after some of these other guys, like, let's get D'Angelo Russell back. Yeah, you know, I was really hoping, I, I, I mean, when that was, what a media, what a, what a media cycle the last two months have been, had been, I mean, I mean, when Kawhi, the possibility of Kawhi coming to the Lakers was in the air, I thought, oh my goodness, like, this is, if he comes, that's just not fair. And so it it really was a cherry on top situation. I was really hoping, I mean, the Lakers cap situation went from them not having a max slot <laughs> to quickly like how how is Kawhi even in play? And so honestly, I was I was hoping the Lakers would build out the roster and you know go for depth versus finding a third superstar. Um, I mean, Toronto, I thought Toronto had a great model. Like they, they are six, seven deep. And I mean, health is clearly a, uh, a big issue, uh, if you want to make a run for the championship. And, and I thought, I mean, KD, it, it just took one injury for them to be severely, uh, you know, deteriorated. So, mm-hmm. um, I think honestly, Kawhi going to the Clippers, I was sad because the Clippers have something else to, uh, I don't know, boast about. And Mm -hmm. I do not like Clippers, the Clippers or Clippers fans. But (laughs) beyond that, I thought it was fine. It it, it did not bother me. Well, you you mentioned that you were hoping that maybe they could just build build with depth. And I think even when they failed to get Kawhi Leonard, their plan B pivot was building out with depth. Now, of course, the DeMarcus Cousins injury news throws a wrench into everything, so we'll have to put an asterisk on that. But I feel like if we're just looking at the process with which they took to build out the rest of their roster after the Kawhi strikeout, I think it was pretty sound. Obviously, the timing of when DeMarcus Cousins went down was unfortunate because I think there were still other guys in the market that we could have signed, like a Jordan Bell or a Jamichael Green. But when it comes to the actual big free agent names that the Lakers passed on, I really don't think that they missed out on uh, very many guys. Because I think they planned things perfectly 
this offseason to have these guys wait on them or have these contingency plans in place. Uh, the only guy maybe, I mean, I wanted D'Angelo Russell, but looking back on it and having to pay him $27 million and that would leave us with $5 million left and the room exception, I'm not sure we could have built out the same roster. And failing on, on Kawhi Leonard and being able to come up with these contingency plans and tell Danny Green to wait for us. Even annoying guys like KCP and JaVale McGee, I mean, those are still useful players when they're set in their rightful roles as like 7th, 8th, ninth guys on your roster, right? And so what are your thoughts on how they pivoted from losing out on Kawhi? Because Kawhi really dragged this out in comparison to the rest of the league. I mean, we learned about his decision on like the night of July 6th or something like that when the earthquakes hit. <laughs> but uh, what are your thoughts about the Lakers being so close yet so far and then how they immediately responded with Danny Green, who at the time was definitely the best free agent left available and honestly probably one of the top 10 to 15 free agents available at the start of free agency regardless. So they responded with Danny Green, unfortunately DeMarcus Cousins, but it is what it is in that respect. Um, taking advantage of the Quinn Cook renouncement by the Warriors, uh, taking advantage of the Memphis Grizzlies buying out Avery Bradley and working the Rob Palinka connection there, bringing back guys like JaVale McGee, KCP, Caruso, Rondo. Nobody likes Rondo, but I mean, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins did, so we'll, we'll live with that. So yeah, what are your thoughts on their plan B? Yeah, I loved, I loved the speed at which... Uh the Lakers announced the the Danny Green signing it. It seemed like there was definitely a plan B in place. And looking at the roster, I think the Lakers did a great job building it out. Um, it seems like a defense-focused roster. It seems like a big roster. Um, it's going to be a long team. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know what to expect, honestly. But uh, I do appreciate how the Lakers built the rest of the team out. There weren't many options after Kawhi. I mean, they had to go all in for that, but uh, I really liked the Quinn Cook signing. He always uh, was a thorn in the Lakers uh, <laughs> side as a warrior. And um, Bradley Beal, let's see. Avery Bradley. If we had Bradley Beal, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just hope. Uh, he seems to have dropped off a cliff, but um, I just know he plays great defense. So I think uh, the Lakers will be very underrated as a defensive team. And so defense wins championships. And can you imagine, I, I know a lot of people don't give us any credit this season for our perimeter defense because they're like, you know, Avery Bradley, shaky, KCP, you don't know what you're going to get from night to night. Who's, who's your defender on the perimeter? It's just Danny Green. But I think you have to add LeBron James to that because if we're looking at the Lakers as a playoff team and, you know, the end goal is the playoffs and the finals... I think that's when LeBron will actually try on defense, right? Especially if he has a backline of Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee as his safety safety guardrails behind him, you know? And that goes for all the guards on the perimeter. If Avery Bradley can approximate 65-70% of who he once was, and apparently he lost 40 pounds. I didn't know he had 40 pounds to lose, but he lost 40 pounds. That's and crazy. it seems like he's motivated from the failure of a stint that he had with the Clippers last year. Played very well with the Memphis Grizzlies to end the year. He's only 28. At his best, that dude was hounding guys on the perimeter, playing them 90 feet close to the half court line. And he's going to do that even more so because he knows he got or Anthony Davis has got his back. Uh, so I think the interior anchor of everything mm. is huge, you know, that that will dictate and inform how the Lakers play defense. And thank God we've got 
guys like Frank Vogel and Lionel Hollins who are defensive minded coaches who should only help with the schemes and everything like that. Um, so what are your thoughts about the Lakers um, retooling and over course correcting with a lot of shooters this time around? Because if you remember, meme team last year was like, we're going to zig while the rest of the league is zagging. We're going to get no shooters and guys who just like to dribble the ball. And we're like, this is crazy. Oh my goodness. Work. And we're like, nope, just kidding. Doesn't work. <laughs> so now that we got another guy like Anthony Davis who can just, who has so much gravity to him, how do you like that we over course corrected with this guy's a 40% shooter, this guy's a 40% shooter, this guy's a 40% shooter, everybody is a 40% shooter from three? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm very excited to see how Kuzma has developed. Uh, hopefully he uh, uh, increased his uh, three-point range or his uh, percentage from three. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited that Danny Green is on board. I'm excited that Alex Caruso is yes. a beautiful, aging, young player who shoots the lights out from three. And, um, yeah, I think uh, this is what LeBron does, right? Uh, he needs just, just surround him with shooters, surround him with Anthony Davis. I mean, yes, I understand the skepticism around this team, but I don't know. This team seems hungry, and it seems like everyone has something to prove. So, yeah, uh, that's fair I'm very excited, Jonathan. Yeah, no, same. Likewise, with regards to, I mean, even even the guys who are what like roster spots 13, 14, 15, like Troy Daniels and Jared Dudley. I mean, those are professional guys who have done stuff in the playoffs and have hit big shots and can just flat out shoot the ball, you know. So at the very least, your break in case of emergency guys aren't Michael Beasley. You know, like right. guys you can't count on, like Lance Stevenson, who was fun, don't get me wrong, but like you just want a guy who can hit a baseline three-point shot at the end of the day. Um, I haven't talked about this guy a lot, and I think it's because of his player profile makeup. I'm most I'm starting to become more excited about this guy because of how unexcited I was about him at the beginning. And uh -huh. I'm talking about Danny Green, just because I feel like so many of us overlook him because he's so solid. We know what he's going to bring to the table that we just naturally take him for granted. But the more I dissect that, the more I'm like, how refreshing is it to have a guy that you know is such a given that you can just move on to other players that you're intrigued by. Does that make sense? Like Absolutely. Danny Green is the terrace house of Lakers free agent signings. He's so boring and mundane, but you know what <laughs> you're going to get from him, right? And when you actually take a look at him, you're like, oh man, I shouldn't take this guy for granted. Um, yes. So I, I just love how, what a for sure given sort of package Danny Green brings to the table. He's a three and D guy who, I mean, he shot 45% from three point land last year, hitting two point of a game out of all the guys we signed he's he's actually the guy who doesn't have very many question marks because you know exactly what he's going to give you and exactly what he's not demarcus cousins already kind of showed us how big of a question mark he was he was always going to be the type of guy with a very very high ceiling or a very very low floor that goes with avery bradley as well that goes with kcp high ceiling but they could also have pretty low floors if things right. go wrong. Same with Kuzma. He's got some things to shore up. Danny Green has been consistent and steady throughout the years, right? He's a sure thing product. 
Danny Green is like Rite Aid ice cream. It's not that organic, super gimmicky, you know, hipster ice cream y'all get in like Los Feliz or wherever, but <laughs> he's Rite Aid <laughs> ice cream. You know what you're going to get. So what are your thoughts on bringing on a, a recent champion, multi-year champion like Danny Green to help bolster LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and just give them that safety valve of a shooter to really open things up? Danny Green is everything we wish KCP uh, <laughs> is everything we wish KCP was. Danny Green is, and so um, I think that is an automatic win for Laker fans. No, all kidding aside, I mean he won. In, he won in San Antonio. He won with Toronto, and I think um, what's attractive to me is that he doesn't uh, require attention. He is a glue guy that. Um, he is cool with Kawhi getting the glory. He is cool with uh, Van Vliet and uh, uh, Lowry getting the glory. And so, yeah, like you said, he's um, he almost goes unnoticed so much that you don't you quickly forget what he does do well. And mm-hmm. I didn't know he shot forty five percent from three last year. That's crazy. But I do see um, his defense and how effective it is, uh, as as we all have seen. Yeah, throughout the playoffs and, and in the finals. I mean, he will lock, he will guard the other team's best player. And so that is uh, a win for Laker fans. Absolutely. Dan, my last question for you of the night is what areas are you concerned about with regards to the Lakers? If you see some question marks, what are those? And yeah, what concerns you right now about the roster moving into this uh, upcoming season? I think. It's guys six, seven, and eight. I think the Lakers have an amazing starting uh, starting lineup, but I really do hope uh, Bradley. I mean uh, Avery Bradley and um, Troy Daniels uh, aren't duds like Michael Beasley and uh, <laughs> who else was there? Lance Stevenson. <laughs> Lance Stevenson, exactly. Like if if Troy Daniels and Avery Bradley can play better than uh, Beasley and Lance. I'm happy, but I I think yeah, I, it's probably depth. I've though okay. Let's be honest. The Lakers have never really been a great three point shooting team, even uh, even in the Kobe Shaq years. I mean, besides Ori and maybe Fisher, I can't really think of a knockdown shooter. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just in me from my childhood that I don't. I've never seen a great three point <laughs> shooting Lakers team, and so you know when people keep talking about shooting. I don't you know. Can't, I, I you can't even it envision it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even Kuzma, like, we all think of him as a great shooter, but he was so inconsistent. Like, I'm used to, like, I, I don't know. When I think of him, I, I imagine the ball going in every time he shoots from three, but I can remember so many games where he was just so off. Like, he was mm-hmm. so hot and cold. And uh, same with KCP, it's just the inconsistency. So uh, we shall see. Um, I hope the three point shooting. Uh, happens well they at least on paper shored that up whereas last year it's like oh on paper it's not even good and how are we supposed to believe they can do anything right so at least they course corrected in that fashion i think for me the biggest weaknesses that they'll probably face is if avery bradley cannot regain his former self then our perimeter defense is gonna be pretty lacking because we're just going to pin it on Danny Green to shore up the perimeter. That means we're putting more wear and tear on on our back line, like Anthony Davis and JaVale McGee have to clean up all of our mistakes. I do wonder and worry about how Frank Vogel is going to juggle the rotations and 
how is that going to play out? Are we going to have another season of guys being disgruntled on the bench because they didn't expect to have diminished roles? You know, right. That's uh, a great what's point. like what's going to happen with the politics of Rajon Rondo, Alex Caruso, Quinn Cook, Avery Bradley? You know, I mean, I think we'd all agree that Alex Caruso, from what we saw to end the season, probably has the most potential. Yes. And probably right now is probably the most stable guard out there. What happens if uh, politics rule the day and Rajon Rondo continues to get more minutes than Alex Caruso, but is not actually providing anything out on the court? Um, so those are some of the concerns that I have, just how Frank Vogel will juggle those things. I think we have enough veterans who've been around the block to hopefully help tide that over and tide over hot personalities and, and all that stuff. But I mean, it is a concern. And of course, as DeMarcus Cousins has painfully reminded us injuries again, we do have a bunch of guys, DeMarcus Cousins, notwithstanding, we do still have a bunch of guys who are working their way back from injuries who have been banged up in the past. Anthony Davis being a day to day sort of guy who can have knickknack injuries pile up on him. So um, LeBron James at least has a full off season. It's his first full off season in a while to really recover. So that's good. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's a war of attrition around the league as it is every year. It just seems like the Lakers continually have to deal with this injury curse in uh, in the most dramatic of cases. So hopefully from here on out, the Lakers can just stay healthy. And luckily, unfortunately for them, they do have enough depth to uh, be able to withstand the typical two-week, one-month injuries that may crop up uh, throughout a season. But uh, but yeah, it's all going to come down to injuries, and hopefully this is uh, going to be the first year where the Lakers are relatively healthy, at least to their top, top guys. You mentioned something, actually, that I think uh, there is a potential concern with... Um the coaching staff like coaching stability i think i thought i always thought that jason kidd coming on as an assistant coach it always felt like like i don't know if not lebron's guy it was like some like a clutch plant or something like that i'm i'm a little worried that there will be some turmoil within the coaching staff because it just seems like i don't know a bunch of coaches former coaches were thrown together and uh uh yeah that might be something to look at uh hopefully nothing happens but you know i mean lebron always had his guy in cleveland and uh it was i mean his guy was spo in 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 miami and so uh hopefully none of that flares up and uh yeah organizational stability too i mean the front office has been the talk of the town over the (laughs) off season so uh yeah no yeah yeah, they have a lot to prove, and, and your hope is that, you know, Jason Kidd whispering things into LeBron James' ear on the sideline while Frank Vogel's drawing up a play, that he doesn't undermine the head coach. And Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. There There is some potential for combustibility once again, because, and I, and I think the weird way that they cobbled up the coaching staff, while I do like the experience, and it's a coaching staff that is ready-made for a veteran group and a group that has multiple superstars, they all came together in a mishmash sort of way, right? It's almost like the arranged marriage that Jeannie Buss had when she put Palinka and Magic together. 
Right. But it's like, oh, these guys don't even know each other after all. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, usually, a, usually a head coach brings on his assistant coaches and at least people he's comfortable with. Uh, and they've started to do that recently. But on the outset, it was like, oh, are we just hoping all these guys work together because they have head coaching experience? So, I mean, we'll definitely see. Um, they have a lot to prove, but so do the rest of the Lakers players that they signed on this year. And so does the front office. I mean, everybody has a lot to prove this year. We took our first big gut punch with the DeMarcus Cousins injury news, but the Lakers still have LeBron James. They still have Anthony Davis. They've still got one of the best top two duos in the league, if not the best. Um, And it's going to be exciting. We've never seen a guy like Anthony Davis before. It's going to be insane. I think think people are forgetting the Lakers have Anthony Davis. Uh, People seem to forget how good Anthony Davis uh, is. Because this offseason was so crazy. But Anthony Davis is amazing. And I can't wait to see him play with LeBron. Not on an all-star team. And for real. Yes. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. Dan, thanks so much for hopping on. You've had a late night, crazy night. We appreciate you coming on and talking some Lakers with us. And kind of rehashing. Absolutely. Rehashing the last last year and a half of, of craziness. And now we're here. Hopefully now we can enjoy this in the right way. I feel like every year is like that, you know, magazine cover of Nash and Howard where it's like, now this is going to be fun, but it still hasn't happened. It's like, we're just waiting, waiting for it to finally be fun. Hopefully this is the year. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, here we go. Uh, Dan, take us out, Run River North stuff, and uh, yeah. Yeah, um, Jonathan, keep killing it with alan on the podcast um and let's have a great season laker fans let's be positive and um you can find run river north stuff on the instagrams and twitters at run river north um yeah i can't wait to be back on again jonathan yeah one last time give me your korean food alliteration mandu mondays baby Pancit Fridays. And one last time, Dan, together. Taco Tuesday. All right, see you, man. All right, see you. I wanted to hold you like I won't let go. You can't tie a rope around my soul. Tapping on the window. I can't be without you. So. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.